This is episode 207 of the A News podcast, a digest and or conversations on anarchist activity, ideas and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Anarcho-syndicalist historian Hanneke Wilmse, 1949-2021, passes away from the free online.wordpress.com. Featuring multiple links from this woman's active life and bits in various languages, this obituary is from a scene we rarely hear from. Quote, The ideal of a broad social movement appeared to be largely realized by the anarcho-syndicalists in the period preceding and during the Spanish Civil War, 1936-1939. to Hanukkah left for Spain with the film You Can't Live in a Tank about the Amsterdam Squatters Movement. The history of Amsterdam squatters sparked great enthusiasm among students in anarchist study centers, Ateneo Libertario, and at universities. Conversely, Hanukkah was inspired by the Spanish anarchist movement and their ideals. In the years that followed, she searched for what was left of it. She wrote several articles and books about it. Her influential film, Ni Piones Ni Patrones, was released in 1986 and 10 years later. In 1996, she obtained her PhD at the University of Amsterdam with her thesis, Gedeeld Berleden, on the differences between Spanish anarchists who had fled and those who stayed behind, unquote. An anarchist answer to the text on the anarchist response to the global pandemic from Anon. Another installment in the sort of dialogue between different anarchists about how to proceed in a world in which we get to wear masks in public, but some of us aren't supposed to leave the house. Quote, Experts locked away in laboratories using esoteric methods are the only voices generating single policy statements for entire nations. This is a caricature, or straw man, of the real arguments to be made against Big Pharma, especially since this straw man completely ignores the fact that it is not scientists who dictate political measures despite the rhetoric of the authors. To be convinced of this, one only has to read the data from the studies that come out and are freely available online and see the political measures taken afterwards, unquote. This, like the ones before, has some valid points, and also throws some, I would say, inappropriate, or at any rate, unnecessary elbows. We don't need to hear that some of the don't lockdowners sound like right-wingers, any more than we need to hear that the don't just reactors are pro-state, at least not just for that particular thought. Anarchists include people who disagree with each other about all kinds of things, including how much to believe the media, science, politicians in specific and in general, etc., this disease puts us in the position of caring again that other anarchists disagree with us. It seems unlikely that we will convince each other, but having good conversations about our disagreements can be about something other than convincing each other, right? Hmm. Cracks in the Steel City Anarchist News from Pittsburgh, January 1st to March 22nd. From fillerpgh.wordpress.com. Quote, Cracks in the Steel City is a filler column that recaps local news that anarchists in Pittsburgh may find interesting, with a particular focus on autonomous, illegalist, and insurrectionist activity. We also include information about fascist activity, state repression, and capitalist maneuvering. All news content is sourced from anonymous submissions and communiques, social media, police reports, or capitalist media outlets. Because of all this, all dates are approximates and may vary in accuracy, unquote includes pictures of banners hanging from overpasses, and other fun things. Anarchist Cybernetics Part 1. This post was removed temporarily by the author's request to be reposted later when it's better. From Freedom News UK by Thomas Swan. This is not bad, but also pretty boring, and Adam Curtis probably said it better, without a ton of connecting of pedantic dots, in this series all watched over by machines of loving grace. The story of what cybernetics is and its turn into something that seems antithetical to itself in the project of increasing control over us all is definitely worth telling a few times with a few different lenses, at least. But this article is more history and less analysis. Quote, McEwen's article in Anarchy clearly made an impact as cybernetics crops up again and again in the history of anarchism from the 1960s onwards, but the ideas contained within it were never taken forward and developed into a more comprehensive account of anarchist organization. McEwen showed us some of the foundational principles behind cybernetics that can be applied just as fruitfully in anarchism, but what this means in practice for anarchist organizing is left unexplored, unquote. Maybe part two will get to the good stuff. Servers for North Shore, Counter-Info, and Montreal Counter-Info seized by Dutch police, both sites down. From Rattle. 
Quote, we have learned that Dutch police have seized the servers of the No State Tech Collective, which hosts North Shore Counter-Info as well as Montreal Counter-Info and several other anarchist sites. We know it is in the context of a criminal investigation, but not much else. North Shore Counter-Info is inaccessible for the time being, but the project is not dead and we will be migrating two new servers in the coming days. In the meantime, we will still be accepting submissions by email at northshore@riseup.net, and we will repost them on our Twitter at nscounterinfo and on rattle.me slash f slash Canada, unquote. Tell the people. Two weeks since my second dose from Sean Swain's blog, seanswain.noblogs.org. Sean's typical personal, funny, brutal stories about prison life include some good news about his recovery from some of the symptoms of COVID, which he's had twice, and been lied to about it by prison officials, of course, and some of his responses to fellow prisoners who don't want to get vaccinated. Quote, No doubt we are expendable as prisoners, and the majority of us are black or brown, and there's a long history of dehumanizing experiments on people of color. But even acknowledging that, I have to suspect that if those in power wanted to experiment on us, they'd just put stuff in our food, or the cleaning chemicals we all use, or pump it through the vents. When someone tells me they really don't know what's in the vaccine, I remind them that they can't identify what they just had for lunch. For all we know, we just had a main course of radioactive isotopes with a side order of Zyklon B. If you're going to tell me you don't know what's in the vaccine, explain to me what's in that bag of cheese puffs you're eating. Unquote. Sean is a great letter writer, by the way. Maybe you already know that because you wrote an anarchist prisoner yesterday. Write an anarchist prisoner today! Margins and Problems, Reflections on Constructing an Anarchism from Libertarian Labyrinth by Sean Wilbur. This is more thoughts on the process of doing this series. Quote, It is easy, I suppose, in the face of a lot of old stuff, to imagine that the particular explorations involved here are primarily about the past. And some of the comments about the project seem to take that sense to the extreme, so I start to feel a bit like the ghost of anarchism past, hanging around to pester folks who pride themselves on knowing a spook when they see one. I will confess to an antiquarian streak, but in the context of constructing anarchisms, that fondness for cool old stuff really just adds spice to a consciously presentist project. There is a frequently asked question, roughly as old as anarchism itself. This anarchism thing seems pretty great, so why hasn't it caught on better? The answers have varied as the accumulation of relevant material has increased, but there have generally been appeals to what remains unthought what has been poorly thought thus far, and what may have been clearly thought in the past, but seems less clear to anarchists in the present. Unquote. Still love this project. Still hope you all are not squandering this opportunity. Squander other things. Explore this one. Anarchy in the 15-Minute City from Dogs and Radicals by Jer Kuzminich. While there is a charming naivete to this piece that tells the story of someone finding a kind of village inside a city merely by walking and buying things, more to the point, it broaches a topic that more anarchists could stand to ponder. Cities are where people come to find other people like them. Cities are where you can redetermine, redefine yourself in ways that we anarchists generally want to foster and encourage. The author correctly points out that anarchist rhetoric mostly emphasizes the rural and denigrate cities. The point is not to claim one is the answer over the other, but to acknowledge why most of us are here, what is good about it, and how, perhaps like the situationists, we could use our imaginations to make them better for us. Note, this does not include filling in potholes. I promise. Also, someone quotes seaweed in the comments to nice effect. Good job, weird. Announcing Rulerless Literary Magazine from rulerless.org. This week's Tempest in a Teapot is the outrage that a new literary magazine, being produced by minors, apparently, has the temerity to reject primitivism, although I guess... Now it's been modified to rejecting, quote, total or global primitivism, unquote. The participants in this conflict are not clarifying the differences between green anarchism, primitivism, and anti-civ, at least not in the exchanges I've seen. Anyway, it's already been noted that for a project called Rulerless, there are already a lot of rules. Anyway, they'll, they say they'll pay for authors, so that's a thing. We look forward to seeing what happens, per usual. You're an anarchist, Mr. Zuniga, from mongoosedistro.com by Comrade Z. Mongoose Distro is for, quote, material solely for the purpose of achieving breakdown of prison through disruption, unquote. This particular text explains how an inmate's anarchism is used as an excuse to treat them badly by prison officials. Quote, anarchism is TDCJ's reason for attacking me, discriminating on me, 
retaliating on me for the past 10 months, and they still haven't made a dent to anarchism. Solidarity by fellow workers on Darrington has kept me alive, fed, and happy. This is the example all fellow workers must display to our oppressors. We stand against prison slavery, guidelines, disgusting living conditions, and work conditions, unquote. It also gives the prisoner's name and address, so you know you can write an anarchist prisoner today. On the upcoming by-election of Korea, from enough is enough. Some Korean anarchists explain why any politician who runs on the argument that they are the lesser of the available evils is missing the point that the system itself is the evil. Quote, should we vote for the progressive candidates or the working class parties then? Let us put aside the question of, are those progressive parties, which were trying to be parasites to the conservative party, or those who were even denied by the conservatives while doing that, really progressive? Let us just concern whether it is possible to ignite social transformation, or at least social improvement, unquote. There's a new Korean anarchist library site, too. Anarchists in Korea making themselves known over here. Nice. Kronstadt as Gender Anarchy from CrimeThink, a talk with a filmmaker. Quote, in 1921, the Russian Revolution came to an end with the storming of the island of Kronstadt, where soldiers, sailors, and workers had revolted against the autocracy of the Bolshevik party in favor of grassroots Soviet power. In the early years of the 21st century, a trans and queer filmmaking collective set out to shoot a film evoking the story of this rebellion. Featuring what is arguably the largest cast of trans actors in the history of cinema, Maggots and Men reimagines the Kronstadt revolt from the standpoint of a queer utopianism. The result is a haunting masterpiece that breathes life into the memory of the past, unquote. You can watch a trailer, or apparently rent the movie itself for ten bucks. Capitalism is finding more and more ways into anarchist news, goddammit. As for these questions and answers, the phrase anarchist utopia is used a bit too much for my taste. Just saying. Ten bucks. Crime and Punishment from Dairy Anarchists. Well, here's a different sort of story. This is anarchists speaking out against vigilante justice, aka, quote, punishment attacks, unquote, meted out against, quote, anti-community behavior, unquote. This is a super interesting topic that is inadequately addressed here, unfortunately. It is badly written to the point of being unclear. It doesn't explore much about who is doing these attacks and why, or it does, but I couldn't understand that that is what they're talking about. And it poses a solution of more community involvement, which does not seem to be getting to the root of a problem. Anyway, these anarchists attempt to walk a line that is pretty mundane, if understandable. Quote, going by what many have witnessed more recently in the back streets of Cregan or North Belfast, the type of justice system would be more reminiscent of what is witnessed in Saudi Arabia or some other similar caliphates throughout history. As anarchists, we are completely opposed to the use of punishment beatings or shootings, just as much as we're opposed to anti-working class activity that blights our communities, unquote. Vigilanteism that is about bolstering the values of the state is obviously a problem for us, but where is our line in this direct action situation? There's a book, or at least a series of articles, that I would love to read. Asia Art Tours interviews Bandalang Itim, Philippines, and Anarchism, from Bandalang Itim by Matt Dagher Margosian. This interview starts by asking questions about language, which is odd and cool. For the more standard questions that are also in here, some get multiple answers, which I always appreciate. Quote, question. In contemporary times, what were some of the most important concepts slash slang to come out of Filipino movements, with an X, that defined the struggles of the Philippines? La Humbuan. Questions like this are harder to answer than they appear, because the language of struggles in the Philippines is subject to the same challenges mentioned above. There are familiar words that need to be reclaimed, like bayan nihan, but there is also a challenge to develop vocabulary outside of the nat dem lexicon. The avenues of resistance in the archipelago must be widened by way of critique, sure, but in the Philippines it also demands that we re-imagine the language we use to refuse domination and the language with which we build alternative methods of organization, unquote. Review on Anarchism and the Black Revolution from the Black Agenda Report by Peter James Hudson. Apparently, Peter James Hudson is a professor of African American Studies and History at UCLA, and here sets up a tension between the, quote, unrepentantly and insufferably white, unquote, popular image of anarchism, with the work and vision of Lorenzo Camboa Irvin. In a real showing of the hand moment, Hudson lists out the, quote, more celebrated contemporary figures of anarchist thought, unquote, as being Chomsky, Graeber, and James C. Scott, as well as people like George Woodcock, Daniel Guerin, and Marshall Schatz. Who the fuck is Marshall Schatz? They also mention working against the image of, quote, 
hoodie-wearing white street punk of nihilist religion whose ritualistic ceremony marries wanton destruction of private property with their regular sneak attacks on the police, unquote, dude, my people. All of that to say, I don't think Peter James Hudson is really on the inside of contemporary anarchism. And although there continues to be huge questions around race, identity, and anarchism, I don't exactly think this piece is where one will find many answers. Oh, other than Lorenzo Comboa Irvin was right. And lots of stuff about the working class. Audio and video, madness, disability, and abolition, 52 minutes from its going down. Here IGD talks with, quote, the author of the text, Madness, Disability, and Abolition, a two-part series that ran on its going down, which explored the history of the criminalization of madness and mapped out what an abolitionist approach might look like, along with examples of projects already being put into place, unquote. Anti-psychiatry seems to be coming back into a bit of vogue, or at least has shown up on A-News a few times in the past two weeks. Ordinarily, I would welcome such a development. However, and of course, as this is an interview with IGD, activism and organizing reign supreme, while a general critique of psychiatry, psychology, and medicalization mostly take a backseat. There's a number of strange points made by the guests that keep almost touching on real critique, but then back off into the safety of lowest common denominator identity politics. One example is a non-guest not wanting to be labeled as disabled if they were to be killed by police just because they hear voices, but then also mentioning that people in wheelchairs should be setting the pace for protest marches because of disability justice and stuff. Meh. I did enjoy their soft critique of labeling people who hear voices as crazy, opening up the frame beyond mere illness and medicalization when it comes to neurodiversity. The Critique of Ideology on Immediatism Podcast. 41. 38. 35, 39, 27, 33, 30, and 41 minutes, respectively, from Immediatism.com. Here, Immediatism presents a, quote, anarcho-psychological critique of economic man, unquote, which, quote, traces this philosophical tradition to its roots in the 19th century, to the figures of Stirner, Nietzsche, and Dostoevsky, and to their psychological demolition of the two alternative axes of social theory and practice, unquote. So uh, this appears to be a book currently only published by Rutledge, which, well, does the thing I just quoted. I imagine there is something to be said for a text that includes the term anarcho-psychological, but from listening to the first section, it seems any gold will be among the exhaustive tracing of roots and deviations of a specific critique of ideology, rather than necessarily dealing with the ideas themselves. For and against primitivism on Immediatism Podcast 26. 40, 26, 39, and 32 minutes, respectively, from Immediatism.com. Here, Immediatism presents two pieces. The first is Civilization Will Stunt Your Growth, Defending Primitivism from Accusations of Ableism by Ian Eric Smith, snappy title, and The Truth About Primitive Life, a critique of anarcho-primitivism by Uncle Ted Kaczynski. The first posits that civilization is the true cause of ableism and disability, a nice rebuttal to the more common straw man of primitivism wanting to kill all the cripples. The second is Uncle Ted's attempt to dunk on anarcho-primitivist notions of the work-free lives of hunter-gatherers. Although I do enjoy critiquing the notion that the world was once inhabited by free, gentle, and noble hunter-gatherers, I don't think I'm really getting what I want when someone fights anthropological speculation with more anthropological speculation. Topic of the week, tradition. I just finished Ramon Alani's Word Against the Modern World, which as anyone familiar with the author might expect, strikes a lot of familiar notes with regards to modernity and the need to escape from it. The alternative he offers, as he puts it in a previous essay, is to, quote, restore the world of dreams, let loose the madness of the moon, Dive into the abyss of beauty. Bury yourself in the dirt and the mud. Offer your blood to the forgotten gods. The intuitive, magical, noumenal world never truly vanished. We have blinded ourselves to its presence with 400 years of delusion. We must not fear our darkness, but embrace it and welcome it home. Unquote. How are we to escape the curse of modernity? That I can tell you in one word tradition. 
We can also add to all the blood and burying oneself in mud, the less exciting to some, to many, practices of crafting chairs or cooking traditional recipes and all sorts of other practices and beliefs that conflict with what he perceives as a secular industrial world, which is the author of so much of our misery. While Ramon isn't an anarchist, these ideas aren't foreign to the milieu. The old ways of living on the land, relating to each other or perceiving time, ways that predate and thus supposedly escape much of the bad stuff of society, offer a standpoint outside of and potential escape hatch from the planetary work machine and all the petty authoritarians waiting in the wings to take it over. And yet, to quote Bolo Bolo, once upon a time we were all good savages, yet here's this monster, civilization. How important is tradition to you? What traditions do you draw from? Is tradition the enemy? Should we rediscover the old ways or seek novelty? Greetings, Anarchy Land. Ariel here. I feel like it's been a long time since we have chatted with you. So welcome to this week's installment of Topic of the Week. Um, I have a very special guest that I am very excited about. If some of you who have listened to Aragorn's podcast in the past have uh, heard her before, um, and she was featured in um, uh, Aragorn's uh, Turtle Island book. Uh, he did an interview with her. Her name is Loretta. Hello, Loretta. Hello, Ariel. And you had the frustration and the privilege of being um, aunt to Aragorn. I am. <laughs> I am. He is. And uh, it was uh, always a, uh, a a privilege to talk with him because uh, I enjoyed his insight. And I also was impressed with him because I knew him as a little baby boy and a child growing up. And uh, to see him develop into the man that he became, I was always impressed with him. And uh, part of our tradition was for him to spend holidays with us. And uh, that was always a joy because my children were growing and uh, he was still had that uh, that excitement about tradition and about the things that we did at home so that was kind of fun those days that's very very nice um so you this this topic of the week is complicated for me uh because I come from a world where tradition is steeped in so many things that I find either uninteresting or offensive. And, <laughs> and one of the, one of the sort of parts of like the project of my life is how do me and my people, my ugh, community to use a word that I don't like for lack of a better word, how do we have our own traditions? Um, and Aragorn was always a part of that. Um, and there were, there are things that, uh, yeah, there, there were some intentional things that we did. There were some things that just kind of came out of habit and circumstance. Um, and Aragorn, uh, was always, Aragorn was not so connected to the traditions of, um, of his tribe, of the Adawa people. Um, and, and you are both of that tribe and, but also you were raised Catholic, right? So you have a whole lot of tradition in your background. So all of that is leading up to me asking you the first two questions that are posed at the, at the end of the topic. One how important is tradition to you? And two, which traditions do you draw from? Okay. Um, I, as you mentioned, I'm a Native person, and I grew up with my grandparents and uh, raising me. And um, our culture is, was very important to us. And that tradition was part of the fabric of our culture. 
and I believe that's true with most Native peoples in this country and uh, throughout the world, actually. So it was important to us to keep those traditions alive because our culture was always being threatened by the non-Indian culture being forced upon us. My parents accepted uh, the Catholic religion, uh, mainly, be- I believe, because uh, that uh, religion uh, is fraught with uh, tradition, and uh, they could relate to those things. So that was always important to us to keep our traditions alive, and uh, part of that was the church, and uh, today those traditions still hold in, in, in the, uh, our tribal culture. And uh, so they've, uh, they've uh, managed to live uh, the test of time and are still important to us. And I believe that uh, the, the uh, ones that are so, uh, where I, what I draw from is actually both of those. I still draw from my native culture and through, to, through some of the of those of the Catholic Church, not all those of the Catholic Church, but I do still believe in a lot of those things. I'm not an active churchgoer any longer, um, and uh, probably disagree with some of their their that, that uh, some of their teachings right now. But uh, well, that's another thing. So that's, that's <laughs> basically my answer. And uh, because I've, I've, um, I'm 87 years old, and it's a little bit uh, too late to be changing my spots. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I'm identifiable by my, by my spots. I have to keep them. <laughs> One of the things that no. I, I, I think that there are some nice parallels here and you talking about your experiences growing up both Indian and Catholic and and anarchists modern day anarchists trying to figure out both who they are in the modern context and and what they're going to hold on to or respect or carry forward um, in terms of tradition and their pasts and how they grew up and and I feel like we we're, we are doing a lot of choosing, rifling through uh, the things that we were taught, the things that we grew up with, the things that we witnessed, and deciding what we're going to take from that. Uh, and then at the same time, also trying to establish our own traditions so that we feel like that we can hold on to things that are uniquely anarchist. And that part's a lot harder. So one of the most, uh, a, a pretty common attempt at, at celebration and holiday um, is May Day. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, here in the Bay Area, in Berkeley, there used to be a massive May Day parade every May Day. Where I mean, literally, people brought out maypoles. Um, uh, it's a... I don't feel like it ever quite took the way that I think people would hope it would take. Um we ourselves have made sort of half-ass attempts at at turning the birthdays of um, anarchists that we care about into holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we could do a better job of that and and it would be it would be interesting to see a, a culture of anarchy that that makes that a thing where we, we look to the people in history that we respect and the things that they did and, uh, um, uh, and let borrow that. some and, of yeah, and kind of, and you want to borrow that. Yeah, you want to exactly. borrow some of our, our tradition, <laughs> some of the Catholic tradition or some of the adult or tradition. the Indian. No, 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 no. The native traditions. <laughs> well, it's interesting enough. There are people I knew who did, a day of the dead kind of gathering and yes and, and not not trying to just like you know pick up the the mexican cultural event but instead like literally 
getting together and and trying to honor our own dead um, in a in a similar way with with food and story and and well as and you know like basically Americans do that but we usually mostly only do it when they die we don't do it as an ongoing tradition or process oh. um, and so they were they were kind of trying to skirt that line between like borrowing and being inspired by but you know not 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 trying to just you know outright steal this other thing culturally um and that i thought i thought that that was really interesting um yes yeah aragorn well, uh, wanted to um turn all of the assassinations into holidays is what i remember but i don't i'm not so sure i feel like that ever really went anywhere um uh yeah, so we pick, so we we kind of pick and choose. In our world, definitely, we we turn people's birthdays into holidays. Um, we try to do a thing. We try to do multiple things. We try to make it several days long, um, because we mostly re- reject like the rote traditions of holidays. We mostly don't engage with those. Like we don't do Christmas. Um, we mm-hmm. certainly don't like do Easter. Um, no, we can't seem to get away from Thanksgiving, just because we like to eat. Right. And, <laughs> and, it's, and you like to go to sales of the next day? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but, it, but it, you know, it's interesting that, you know, like Aragorn being native, like th- that day was one of his favorite days because all the people he liked gathered together and we ate too much food. Um, uh-huh. And, and of course, that's, you know he had other native friends who were like, what the hell? So, you know, tradition can be complicated for anarchists. Well, it is, it is complicated because every, every uh, culture has its own traditions. And if you're trying to, to mix the, uh, mix the cultures, you're going to have to somehow come to grips with your, the traditions and either, uh, alter them to fit your needs or go along with what they are. And I know that Thanksgiving in our family was always a day of celebration because it was our chance to revisit history and, and make jokes about it and, <laughs> uh, and tell each other what we would do other, uh, differently if it was mm-hmm. up to us to greet those boats on the East Coast, see? Very so nice. we always, yeah, so we always made a joke about uh, Thanksgiving Day. It was, uh, and it was a chance to gather family, and that, that was always important. But uh, that was one tradition that we just uh, kind of held as a, uh, a, a joke. It was mm-hmm. a big, uh, you know, a chance to thumb our nose at, uh, at that, uh, pilgrim and all that stuff that we were taught in school about Thanksgiving Day. But I think that, uh, like the Day of the Dead, we Native people have also have that tradition. And it's usually in my part, in my, uh, tribe, it's been linked with November 1st, which is the Catholic day uh, of uh, memories of all souls, those people who have gone ahead of us. So in my Catholic, uh, I mean my, my Indian tribe, we uh, celebrate that day as uh, our commemoration of the people who have gone ahead of us mm-hmm. to the spirit world. So, see, we, we kind of borrowed from them, and or they borrowed. No, they didn't borrow from us. We borrowed from them on that particular day. So tradition is whatever you your culture wants to make it, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it is important. It is important to, it's kind of a glue to hold us all together. If it one day in a year that we can all get together and agree on uh, what we believe in and... Uh, and as far as you anarchists uh, finding a day to uh, celebrate those heroes or people you consider to be heroes, mm-hmm. then it's it's a good thing. It's part of uh, holding on to tradition. Is part of holding on to your culture, and um, I think that's the positive thing about it. It is to me anyway. 
I, I think that the topic asks an interesting question because you and I are having this conversation um, very firmly standing in the context of that tradition is good. Mm-hmm. And in the topic of the week, they ask one of the questions at the end, is tradition the enemy? And I tend to believe, you know, that it's always a little more complicated than that and things are not one way or another. Um, but I think it wor- it's worth nodding to the fact that, um, especially to a displaced and oppressed peoples, tradition can bring danger. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it, there again, you know, I, I believe that too is something that, uh, that brings us together in, in the face of fear, to fight our enemies, to, to gather together, to, to become a, a singular force against our enemies. It is, that's what holds us together. I, I, don't see, I don't see it any other way. You know, I hadn't does thought that about it. No, it does make sense. I hadn't thought about it that way, but definitely... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, anarchists definitely use um, like one of the um, there have been in recent years anarchists who have uh, grabbed onto the the what the new tradition, but what is now becoming the commonplace practice of Black Friday, the shopping after Thursday, and and tried to turn that into an anti capitalist day. Um, so yeah, you know, use, using what the enemy yeah. says is a celebration of the things that we do. This is what we do because this is who we are. Uh, and using that to rally around to say, no, this is not who we are and we're going to do something else. Uh, and I hadn't, it, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but um, I suppose that that's, we have a long tradition of doing that, don't we? I, I think that's a good idea. That, see, there you, that's a, uh, uh, exactly what I was trying to explain to you, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, using, using that uh, analogy there is good. I think you, uh, it would be a good thing to do. It's, uh, well, now I'm just stumbling around for words, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, is a, it is, I think tradition, if you, Tradition is important to groups of people. It brings us together. It gives us a feeling of solidarity, knowing that at least in one day of the year or the month, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that we can come together and re-examine our purpose and uh, solidify what we believe in. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's uh, the day after Thanksgiving or Christmas Day, whatever you want to use for, you know, I, I believe that's a good thing. And I believe that's what tradition is for. I don't think it's an enemy. I think it can be used to be a weapon. It can be used to be a, a, a banner, you know, solidifying what we believe in. And so it's not an, I don't see it as an enemy. Yeah. And I will continue to keep up my traditions as long as I can. As long as I got family to do it with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a way that it it doesn't, tradition kind of isn't different from so many of the things that we inherit unexamined yeah. from those before us. If you, if your relationship to it is not engaged and not critical, then it can be the enemy and it can own you uh, and it can... Uh, force contexts on your life that you're not interested in. Uh, but if you have an, an active relationship with it, a critical and engaged relationship with it, um, then perhaps you can get what the good there is to get out of it or use it to find solidarity and, and challenge the, the ugliness of those traditions. Uh, is, yeah. I, I like it when things are complicated and they don't have to be any one thing. Um, the, the last question actually reminds me a lot of you um and it it's the question is should we rediscover the old ways or seek novelty and 
not not because I think that's the question. Because again, this creates a binary of we do what do we do a thing or do we do the other? And I actually don't think that that's appropriate. Um, and I think that you are this mix of um, trying to carry forward the things that you think are important, but then always trying to um, engage with them in in the ways that are relevant to the way that you you actually live your life on a, you know, in a day manner. And so you aren't, you aren't getting held, you know, like held down by and locked into, you know, the ways of your grandmother or those who came before you or, um, and so I guess that's my answer to the question, um, is that we should be doing both of them all the time. And I feel like you kind of are doing both of them all the time. Yes, I believe so. I believe that you uh, you uh, see it in the right way, at least the the way I'm I'm believe I'm doing. I am trying to keep alive those things because, well, I don't know. <laughs> let's let's get back to what were you were saying again. Um, you were saying that you you are trying to keep alive these things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was a caveat coming after that. Well, and you also said you're not sure why you're trying to keep them alive. And um, the only insight that I have to offer that is that when you talk about these things, what you're what you're talking about isn't that necessarily the practices themselves are what's important, but it feels like the people who passed them on to you are important Mm -hmm. and it's and maybe it's it's like you still holding maintaining that connection to those people well in uh, well yes uh because uh those traditions that uh, we indians uh, hold dear to us yet are connected to our our families who have gone before and it's connected to those people who Form our who keep our culture alive just through this their spirits because they are still with us, and uh, so it, keeping those alive does keep a connection to the past. It has to be because that's where traditions were formed. Somewhere in our past, we were taught these things by by people who lived before us. So in in uh, keeping these traditions, we are keeping the spirits of those people alive, because that is part of our culture. And uh, I still I still uh, believe in that, and I will I still do talk to the spirits. I still do uh, seek their help and their knowledge, and. Uh, it's I never fail I never fail to be satisfied with with uh, the feelings that I get when I after I do that you can call it praying if you would like to but it's mm-hmm. speaking with the spirits mm-hmm. so in a way we are we are keeping those people alive too yeah this is an interesting question for anarchists because I don't believe that anarchists as a whole think of us as having old ways, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And it's further complicated by the fact that anarchy is a counterculture, which means it's mostly the terrain of the young. And the young mostly don't have any time or any interest in that which has come before them. So I think that anarchists are mostly seeking novelty relatively constantly um it doesn't mean that they're being successful at it it doesn't mean that they're coming up with new and interesting ways to do the things but i think that that's that that's a constant search that's happening um but i don't i don't think that it would occur to even a a young anarchist someone who was you know 20 years old even if they thought that they wanted to try to search for some wisdom, some tradition. I'm not sure that it would occur to them that any that there is such a thing, that it exists. Um, and even as someone who's been around for twenty some odd years, I don't know. 
I don't know that I know what those are. I would have to think about that. Um, and more than I have up to this moment. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. Young people, but, young people make things hard. No, 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 no I'm kidding. <laughs> well, don't you learn anything from the past? Don't young people learn something from the past? And isn't that, isn't that part of being a traditional thing? I mean, do you, you just don't start out and say, I'm going to be an anarchist, and I know exactly what that is because it's innate in my brain somewhere? Or do you go to the past and learn from the, what's happened before you and uh, learn from others' mistakes or, or from what they've done to, to win, to gain a step forward in their belief. Hmm. Isn't that part of being an anarchist to learn from the past? Part of the answer to that question is I'm not entirely sure because Uh I, I am not surrounded by 20 year olds. Um, Part of the answer to that question is that there are lots of anarchists that I know that are in their mid twenties, that almost all the, the anarchy that they have been inspired by, have been interested in, have learned and have learned from, have come from the bits and pieces of things that they have found on the internet and not so much from history books. Um, Where, where does, where does it come from? I mean, it appears in internet magically or does it come from a source and what source is that? It comes from many sources. Um, Old but, sources? But no, no. It's it's oftentimes other people just, you know, sharing their thoughts or sharing their take on a thing that they read or sharing their take on a conversation that they had. And it and it it isn't necessary. The so my path through anarchy involved people who were older than me in a stack of books. And you don't have to do it like that anymore because the because the internet has changed that. So um, it just means that the answer to that question is more complicated. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it. But the but the nice part about it is that it means that I think that there's lots of room for, um, again, for novelty and for evolution and for different approaches and for people's entry points to be different and, and for them to, to be young, but come in new, sorry, to be young and come in new, but do it with different ideas in mind, which I actually believe can is, I think there's a lot of benefit there for people who have been around for a long time, especially people who are stuck in their own traditions of anarchy and, and can't quite, get out of them to see something else. Um, uh, because, it, because again, while there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> strength and uh, usefulness that comes from tradition, um, it also can, you know, there are ways that it can weigh you down and, and slow your thinking and make your engagement less interesting. And that's, um, you know, I don't know. That's how you grow old alone and nobody wants that. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that's what I've got. Um, well, thank you for talking to me. Did you have any last thoughts before we before we sign off from the people? No, not really. But I think I think that uh, um, part of anyone's culture or has to has to involve tradition, and um, I am. I probably am one of these old people who uh, uh, I don't want to give it up. I don't want to see our culture destroyed because people are forgetting what our elders taught us. And um, so I, that's, that's, I'll be the old stick in the mud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. All right. So, You're not going to be a stick in the mud alone, for sure. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much, Loretta, for having a conversation with me. 
Uh, thank you for hanging in there and listening, Anarchy Land. This was a bit of a long one. Um, I hope that you all are doing well and thriving as we come out of uh, uh, a much more closed world. Um, take care yeah. of yourselves and watch your back and, you know, find time to spend time with the people who make you happy. Uh, thank you. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, calling me and letting me spout a little bit. I don't get the chance very often. Thank you. I'm happy to let you spout anytime you want. Have a good day, Anarchy Land. Bye, Loretta. Bye. Six weeks. weeks. Podcasts with sounds edited by Greg. What's yours written in red by Chiseled Greg? What the fuck is going on? And we thank Ariel and a friend for their help with the topic of the week, tradition. We hope this podcast is useful too and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcastanarchistnews.org for more information and usually some good commentary. See you in your favorite non-situated anarchist site, anarchistnews.org. To learn more, anarchists and anti-political books, pamphlets, and other materials are available at littleblackheart.com for news by and about anarchists and up to the minute commentary. See you at anarchistnews.org. Enter the anarchist IRC news chat room linked on anews and or pleroma with as dots, which is also anti-social which has dots (laughs) so many dots